Um, John chapter 3, the Gospel of John chapter 3. Really, we'll go a little bit before that, and um, just really before it, it's kind of part of chapter um, 3, and verse um, 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover in the feast day, many believe in his name. When they saw the miracles which he did, but Jesus did not commit himself unto them, because he knew all men. And he did not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. Now here we see, you know, Jesus knew already what was inside the heart of man. And then we see a man approaches Jesus. says, There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, ye must be born again. The window bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh. And whither it goeth, so is every one that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Jesus answered and said unto him, Art thou a master of Israel, and knowest not these things? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, We speak that we do know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I have told you earthly things, and ye believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man have ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is, is, which is in heaven. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your word and for this account um, of you um, teaching Nicodemus that he must be born again to see the kingdom of God. We thank you, Lord, for your spirit, for the power of the spirit of God, and um, for it to enable us to live victorious um, over the flesh and um, live for Jesus. And we just thank you, Lord, for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. And so here we see Nicodemus, a man of the Pharisees. It was a Pharisee. That, that, this was part of the religious elite of his day. Now Jesus had already, in a different times after this, confronts the Pharisees about their outward focus, that, that the outside is clean, but the inside is full of dead man's bones. 
But the society looked up to the Pharisees as being very spiritual, high-minded, um, godly people. And so here is Nicodemus, a man of the Pharisees, and not only a Pharisee, but a ruler of the Jews. And as a ruler of the Jews, this would mean he was a part of what was called the Sanhedrin. And um, it's the main ruling body of the Jews. It was basically the Jewish Supreme Court or ruling council of the time and arose most likely during the Persian period. And in the New Testament times, the Sanhedrin was composed of the high priest, um, um, the president, so to speak, the chief priests, elders, family heads, and scribes for a total of 71 people, um, with the ruler of the Jews being the president. And they executed both the civil and criminal jurisdiction according to Jewish law. Now understand, even with this, they were really under the rule of the Roman government. The Roman government allowed them to have um, some of their Jewish laws um, for their people. But with capital punishment cases, um, it required the sanction of the Roman government. That's why they, when, when they were crucifying Jesus, they brought him before, um, before Caesar and, and um, um, Pilate. They, they wanted him, uh, the, the Roman government, to put him to death. After 70 AD, with the destruction of Jerusalem, the Sanhedrin was abolished and replaced by Beth Din, which would also be called the Court of Judgment, and that was composed of scribes whose decisions had only a moral and religious authority. Where before it was civil, criminal, and religious. And so there's been these changes. But we see Nicodemus was a ruler of the Jews. He was the president of the Sanhedrin. And he comes and it's the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. And so here is the master, a ruler of the Jews. He recognizes that, wow, this Jesus does many miracles. And no man could do these miracles except God be with him. But the Pharisees, they didn't like Jesus. And so this may be, we don't know for sure because the Bible doesn't say, but this may be why he comes to him by night. That it's possible that he did not want to be seen by the rest of the Pharisees coming and approaching to Jesus. Now that's just speculation. You know, we don't want to draw absolute conclusions that the Bible does not specifically give. You know, because it could have simply been, hey, it was a long day and then he saw Jesus came by him at night. That's a possibility. But we see he came to Jesus by night and he recognized Jesus as a teacher come from God based upon his miracles. But remember, the verse in chapter 2, it says Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew all men. That Jesus knew what was in the heart 
of man, and we see Jesus answers a question that was never verbally asked. Nicodemus didn't say, he didn't ask, how can I go into the kingdom of God? How could I enter the kingdom of heaven? None of that is mentioned. But we see Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily. You know, that's an older word for the word truly, truly. Now he's saying truly, truly. Verily, verily. That, that this is truth. This is absolute truth with the emphasis, saying it two times. He said, I say unto thee, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. He says unto him, except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And he's saying this to a Pharisee, a leader of the Pharisees, a leader of the Sanhedrin. Except ye be born again, ye shall not see the kingdom of God. And that may be where, where Nicodemus was questioning in his heart. And Jesus just brings it out. That except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And so then Nicodemus asked the question, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Man, kids, wouldn't that be funny to see your parents get born again? <laughs> the moms are like, no way. You know, we don't want to give birth again. We're fully grown now. But this is Nicodemus, a master of Israel. And he asked, how, how is a man born again? And then Jesus moves on. Since except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So he's given a little bit of explanation here. Here, some people will falsely teach that this passage is teaching that one needs to be baptized in order to be born again. But it's not what the Scripture teaches. We see Paul even says of himself that God sent me not to baptize, but to preach the gospel. If baptism was necessary to be born again, then Paul would have been omitting the gospel by preaching the gospel and not baptism. And so the Bible is very clear that baptism is something that's done after someone's been born again. That after someone has professed faith in Christ. As you read in Acts 8.37, where the eunuch says, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. So after belief, after faith, one was baptized. After someone was born again. So when it says born of water here, it is not speaking of baptism. But it is speaking of the natural birth and the spiritual birth. That that for one to enter the kingdom of God, there would be the, not only a natural birth, but that there would be a spiritual birth, as Jesus explains it. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That's like the water breaking. Okay, When the water breaks in the womb and then, then a child comes out. But except a man is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. 
And so Jesus says again, marvel not. Don't think this is some amazing or some mysterious teaching. Marvel not that I said unto thee. And so he's saying unto him singularly, that this is who he's directly speaking to at the time, but then he says, ye must be born again. Then it's being used in a plurality. That he's not just speaking, just at the time he's speaking just to Nicodemus, but then he's using the term ye, plural, meaning that everybody, you know, to see the kingdom of God, they must be born again. And as for Jesus says, ye must be born again to see the kingdom of God. That this is not just one way to heaven. That this is not just one road to Jesus. You know, Satan has promoted the lie that people can come to God on their own terms. And Jesus spoke about those, so the thieves, the robbers, that they try to seek in some back way. But that Jesus will say, depart from me, ye workers of iniquity. That there is only one way to Jesus, or only one way to heaven. All who follow the broad way, as the Bible says, that leads to destruction. But that's at the heart of every false religion. That man believes that by his works, by his doings, by his sacrifices, by his offerings, that he could earn favor with God. And they can't. Because we all fall short. We all fall short of the glory of God in our sin. And so Jesus confronts them with saying, ye must be born again. Following Muhammad does not get one to God. Well, you still get to the great white throne judgment, so you still get to God at the judgment. But you're not going to be in the kingdom of God. Following Buddha will not get someone into the kingdom of God. Confucius, anybody. Only Jesus. Only for being born again, ye must be born again. And so this is Jesus speaking to this master of the Pharisees. He said, and he says, um, Jesus shatters once for all the supposed excellence of man's attainment, of being able to get to the kingdom of God by human deeds. A spiritual birth is something one undergoes by the Spirit of God. And what a blow this was to Nicodemus. His being a Jew... Gave him no part in the kingdom. Not because he was a Jew. It's just that being a Jew itself does not get one into the kingdom of God. You know, it was John Haggie that said um, something along the lines of that we shouldn't focus on trying to convert Jews to Jesus because they're already God's chosen people. You know, it's a nation. Yes, they are God's chosen people. You know, the church has not replaced that. But the only way to enter the kingdom of God is to be born again. And so, yes, Jews need to trust in Jesus too. They need to place their faith in Jesus Christ alone, not in their Judaism. But the Pharisees, they thought because of their heritage that being a Jew gave them a part in the kingdom. Especially being a Pharisee that was esteemed holier than other people. But Jesus is telling Nicodemus, that avails you nothing. 
That does not help you get the, into the kingdom of God. His membership in the Sanhedrin and his fame as one of its scribes went for naught. This rabbi from Galilee calmly tells him that he is not yet in the kingdom. That except he is born again, he shall not see the kingdom of God. All on which Nicodemus possibly had built his hopes throughout a long life of obedience, faithfulness to the law was all in ashes because we all fall short, including the leader of Jerusalem of Israel. Jesus says, The wind bloweth where it listeth, and thou hearest the sound thereof, but canst not tell whence it cometh, and whither it goeth. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. You know what? The wind goes where it wills. You know what? The, the, the wind moves, and so does the Spirit. That the Spirit of God, it draws mankind. We see that the, um, the, the Bible teaches that Jesus even said, If I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. But if Jesus did not give us light, we would have never came to Him. We love Him because He first loved us. And where we may not, we can't see the Spirit of God. We do not see a physical manifestation of the Spirit. See, when Jesus was baptized, people saw a manifestation. But we do not see a physical manifestation of the Spirit of God. But we can see whom the Spirit of God changes. Whom the Spirit of God has quickened by seeing the effects. You know, we don't know where the wind's coming from. We may see that it's coming from one direction, but it doesn't mean it was coming from that direction the entire time. It could have been from somewhere else and, and then just being in a circle or whatever. But we see its effects. Everybody talking about heaven ain't going there. Outwardly, people may identify with God, but inwardly, they have never been genuinely converted. Nicodemus answered and said unto him, How can these things be? Scary, scary. He's like, okay, how is one born again? Okay, of course, you don't go into your mother's womb a second time. But how do you have the spiritual birth? And look at what Jesus says. Art thou a master of Israel? And knowest not these things? Say, you're a master, you're a teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things? It shows that being born again of the Spirit is not some foreign concept, but it's something that is prophesied in the Old Testament. That him being a master of Israel, a teacher, he would know, he should know, what it means to be born again of the Spirit. He confronts him with the reality of being a master and teacher and not knowing what the Old Testament taught about the regeneration of the Holy Ghost. 2 Timothy 3.15 says, And that thou from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. You know, Paul is telling Timothy, you know what, the Scriptures... And here he's referring to the Old Testament Scriptures. That the Old Testament Scriptures 
were sufficient to point someone to Jesus Christ, to make one wise unto salvation. Now, possibly one of the scriptures maybe Jesus had in mind in wondering and questioning, you're being a mass of Israel and you don't know these things. Ezekiel 36 and verse 26. It says, A new heart also will I give you, and a new spirit will I put within you, and I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh, and I will give you an heart of flesh, and I will put my spirit within you, and cause you to walk in my statutes, and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. Talking about the Spirit of God. Talking about regeneration. That the Spirit of God regenerates a man where he is born again. You all preach about being born again in the New Testament. You know, there are some that have taught that um, Jesus taught a different gospel than um, Peter did. That Peter was the apostle due to Jews. So that he taught a works-based salvation and faith. And that day, I even had someone recently tell me that John preached a different gospel. And that he, they said, we're only supposed to preach Paul's gospel. And that Paul's gospel was by faith alone. Yeah, his faith, it was by faith alone. But it's always been by God's grace through faith alone. We see John, you know, you, we get, we're going to begin with John 3.16. There's no works involved in there. He's telling Nicodemus, it's not by your works. Ye must be born again. But we see John also in 1 John 5, 1, whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him, that begat him, loveth him also that is begotten of him. Peter preached, being born again, not of corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. Titus 3, verse 5, um, Paul speaking, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. And James, who people will try to pull out and say James contradicted Paul, that James taught that you can't be saved by faith alone. But James's focus was that the faith that saves is not generally alone. As he says, he says, you know what, you say you're saved by faith alone. Um, he goes, show me your faith. He goes, well, I'll show you my faith by my works. James still preached. We were born again. That salvation is by grace through faith. Of James 1.18, it says, Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth, that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The apostles, Jesus, the Old Testament prophets, they preach the same gospel. Yes, there maybe were some things that were veiled in, in some degrees in the Old Testament. But the Bible says, that, or Jesus says, and in Hebrews it says, all the prophets spoke of Jesus. Jesus tells Nicodemus, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, we speak that we do know and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. He's saying that at that time, Nicodemus was not receiving that witness. As we go on through the Gospel of John, we see there's a change, there's a transformation in Nicodemus. We'll get to that later. 
But Jesus says, if I have told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall ye believe if I tell you heavenly things? Okay, if you're not believing what I'm saying when I'm speaking of earthly things, how are you going to believe if I speak the spiritual? And he says, and no man have ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man, which is in heaven. Like Jesus said, no man has ascended to heaven except for him. And this contradicts other religious systems. It confronts other religious systems that claim you have special revelation from God. And that Jesus insisted that no one has ascended to heaven in such a way as he has. And he's the one that has the authority to speak of heavenly things. Let's read on in John 3. It says in verse 14, And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Let's go ahead and look at that passage. Numbers 21. Numbers 21, go ahead and go there. But Jesus said, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. Numbers 21, verse 4. It says, And they journeyed from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea uh, um, to compass the land of Edom, and the soul of the people was much discouraged because of the way. And the people spake against God and against Moses. Wherefore have ye brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? For there is no bread, neither is there any water, and our soul loaf of this light bread. And the Lord sent fiery serpents among the people, and they bit the people, and much people of Israel died. Therefore the people came to Moses and said, We have sinned, for we have spoken against the Lord and against thee. Pray unto the Lord that he take away the serpents from us. And Moses prayed for the people. And the Lord said unto Moses, Make thee a fiery serpent. And set it upon a pole, and it shall come to pass, that everyone that is bitten, when he looketh upon it, shall live. And Moses made a serpent of brass, and put it upon a pole, and it came to pass, that if a serpent had bitten any man, when he beheld the serpent of brass, he lived. And so here we see the people got discouraged again. And in their unbelief, they murmured against Moses for bringing them into the wilderness. But the reason they were in the wilderness was because of their unbelief initially. They're complaining. They'd already forgotten that it was their own sin that caused them to be there. And they tried to blame Moses for it. It's pretty common. You know what? The average Christian, I would say, is not usually failing God because he is in utter sin. You know, we're all, we're all with sin, okay? So, but oftentimes, we're not failing God because we're in some type of extreme sin, but because we have a divided heart. We have a divided heart. And may our prayer be something like, Lord, unite my heart to fear thy name. I no longer want to come to church with my head in the building and my heart somewhere else. I can't pray when my mind is elsewhere. 
I can't serve God doubting. See, God, get all of me and me all of you. You know, that's kind of what makes a church to be apathetic, is people with a divided heart. You know, God doesn't want us to be lukewarm. He wants to be all, us all to be all the way engaged, to be hot for Christ. God was teaching these people in Israel, or the Hebrews, He was teaching the people something about faith. It is totally illogical to think that looking at a brass image of a serpent on a pole would save them physically. It does not make any sense. But that's where God was asking for their faith. It took an act of faith in God's plan for anyone to be healed. Now later, you can read in 2 Kings 18, we see the serpent of brass. Hezekiah destroys it because it had become an idol. And so often we could have our methods or our tools that God uses in our life and that could become our idol. God needs to be our all. The serpent was a symbol of sin and judgment and was lifted up from the earth and put on a tree, so to speak, or on a pole. And that was the symbol of a curse. The serpent lifted up and the curse symbolized Jesus, who takes away our sin to everyone that looks to Him by faith. That He became that curse. See, the serpents, they were biting the people, um, the Jewish people. Biting them. And the only way they were spared their life was if they looked to that serpent. The brass serpent. Symbol of judgment for their sin. And Jesus is become sin for us. That Jesus, who was perfect, who was righteous, that if we look to him, we may have eternal life. As it says um, back in John 3. He says, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. He didn't tell Nicodemus, do these works, keep obeying the commandments. No, He said, believe in Him, should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And so we see that who? We see that it is God. And that He so loved. Not that He just loved us, but He so loved us. That there was an intensity about His love. That if we believe on Jesus, that if we believe that He is the Son of God, and as we read scriptures, other scriptures, that we believe He died for us, and that He rose again. That whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he have not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. 
And this is the condemnation, that light is coming to the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For everyone that doeth evil hate of the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. You know, people say, you know what, that's not fair for Jesus to be the only way to heaven. But you know what, what's not fair is that we even get an opportunity to get saved. Man, that shows the just or the mercy, the grace of Jesus Christ that we were already condemned. That it wasn't at first, if you don't believe in Jesus, you're going to hell. It's you are already going to hell. You are already going to be facing the lake of fire. And Jesus made a way to save us. That we may have eternal life. And so he made a way of salvation where every other false god has no way to God, has no way for salvation. But Jesus became our mediator between God and man. And that when he was lifted up, just as the serpent was lifted up, we see Jesus was lifted up on the tree, on the cross. And if we look to him by faith, the Spirit of God will regenerate us. The Spirit of God will make us to be born again. Now understand, being born again is the supernatural miracle of God. We can't make ourselves born again. That's a work of God. But the human responsibility is to believe the gospel. To believe on Jesus Christ. And the Spirit of God that reveals Jesus to us and we believe, we respond that the Spirit of God causes us to be born again. And the Bible says, faith cometh by hearing and by hearing of the Word of God. And that's why it said, church, our focus will always be on preaching the Word of God, of preaching Jesus Christ, that He must increase and I must decrease. That Jesus is Lord. That he is Savior. And that's what he was telling Nicodemus. You're a religious man. But you have not yet been born again. That he needed to be born again to see the kingdom of God. And he said unto ye. He said it was speaking to Nicodemus. But he said unto ye. That he's speaking to all of us. That we must be born again. And so if you don't know Jesus as your own Savior. If you don't know if you died today, that you'd go to heaven. You know, we sing about the mansion over the hilltop. Well, you know, in reality, it's not the mansion we're really looking forward to. It's Jesus we're looking forward to. And yes, he's prepared a place for us. He's preparing a place for us. And praise God for that. But we get to have Jesus. We get to have eternal life. We get to escape the second day death because of Jesus. Go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for Jesus, for your Spirit that regenerates us, that causes us to be born again. And you've made the way.
that we may have eternal life, that actually you didn't just make the way, you are the way. You're the way, the life, the truth. And to come to the Father, we must come for you. And Lord, I pray, Lord, that if there's anyone in here that's not yet saved, they don't know Jesus is their Savior, that your Spirit will continue to prick their heart and that they will respond in faith and believing in Jesus only for salvation. And there's no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. We thank you, Lord, for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we're going to go ahead and um, head next.